Well, hello there, music teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 83 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, and I'm really just here to help you feel like you have had a nice chat with a piano teacher friend today. (laughs) Someone who knows at least a thing or two about the lifestyle that you lead. (laughs) Welcome one and welcome all. Let's dive in. I think it's probably clear by now that I believe fairly strongly that we learn more from our mistakes than we do our successes. This is probably for two reasons. One, I think it's just harder to remember to take time to examine why things are great when you're not struggling. But two, I think the lessons that can be learned from success are just not as obvious as the ones that we find when we fail or do something other than what we intend. So I was thinking this week about what I would consider to be my biggest mistakes in teaching. Now, I have shared plenty of my shortcomings and lessons learned on the past 82 episodes of this podcast. And by the way, a younger version of myself would have rather done anything than share my mistakes on the internet. (laughs) But you are part of such a great audience who genuinely seems to appreciate the fact that I don't show up here pretending like I have all the answers. Which is great, because I most definitely do not. Alright, so, my biggest mistakes teaching. (laughs) Of course, I've said this a million times, there's the fact that I perpetually take on too many responsibilities and leave myself feeling frustrated that I can't give everything my best effort. So, that's a big one. I have also talked before about how my younger self tended to see other teachers as competition rather than colleagues. After all, the other teachers in your community are likely going to be in your life far longer than any single student. So we should be good to them and we should let them be good to us, right? Yes, been there, talked about that. And, I mean, of course, there's a whole heap of actual pedagogical things I've done wrong. (laughs) I mean, teaching notation more so than teaching music, and treating rhythm like it's some kind of math exercise, failing to understand that a child's hand is built differently than the adult hand, and thus expecting technique to look a way that is not at all natural. (laughs) I mean, these are lists that could go on for quite a while. But the other day, as I was pondering the question of big mistakes lurking in my teaching past, (laughs) one bubbled up to the surface that I felt deserved its own episode this week. There was a time earlier in my teaching career, I mean, not super early on, but more once I felt like I had kind of established myself as a teacher. But there was a time when I started to care more and more about the results my students were achieving, or more so the results that they were showing other people. 
(laughs) I was becoming obsessed with how other people viewed and assessed my students' progress and, you know, thus my teaching. I wanted to have the competition winners. I wanted other teachers to envy the accomplishments of my students like I did theirs. And I wanted my students to represent a very particular standard of excellence. And okay, that is not entirely a bad thing. In fact, there are many incredible teachers out there with those kinds of studios. We cannot deny that we are in a results-based business. I mean, we are paid to deliver results. Our students definitely need to be on a forward trajectory of progress. I mean, otherwise, what are we doing? But here's the thing. Progress is more than what you see on the stage during any given performance. Results are not always evident to the outside observer, right? Progress could be a timid child who finally learns to communicate with another adult in a safe studio environment. Progress can be an insecure student who begins to catch even the tiniest glimmer of self-confidence once realizing that he can, indeed, make music at their instrument. Progress can be the student who realizes that they now have a skill that they can run to in difficult times, a coping strategy for emotional regulation. (laughs) Many of us know about that. So yeah, progress can look like a gold medal, a first place finish, or advancing to that final spot on your teacher's recital program. (laughs) That is not to be discounted either. I mean, I actually love the benefits of healthy competition that come from studying music. Some students flourish in that environment, and I love keeping one foot on that side of things in our world. But it took me a long time to realize that that kind of progress is not personally what fuels me as a teacher. I used to have this strange feeling come over me on the evenings after a local competition. Whether things went well for my students or not, I used to just find myself restless and incredibly insecure. (laughs) If my students did well, of course, imposter syndrome would rear up. You know, like surely I just got lucky with that student or, you know, I must be holding them back somehow. If they didn't play well that day, well, I would, of course, convince myself that it was all my fault and I clearly had no place in this profession. Now, there are many unhealthy aspects of the mindset I just described, and some of them are things that I am still very much working on today. But I would say, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a decade ago, I realized that I could never sustain myself in this profession if I let those kinds of results fuel my sense of purpose. I took a really long look at what actually fueled my joy and my contentment in the world of studio teaching, and it all became so clear. It's the relationship. 
It's the small victories week after week after week. It's the middle schooler who, after many years of answering questions about themselves, all of a sudden starts asking questions about you. (laughs) It's the graduated senior who comes back to town and asks if they can stop by. It's the new student that you've been told struggles so much in school, but can't begin to wipe the dopey smile off of his face the entire lesson because he is just having so much fun. (laughs) It's the first time your nine-year-old student plays and you realize that they are not just some cute little kid up there anymore. They're developing real artistry. Maybe it's you going through a particularly difficult time in your life and realizing just how strongly your studio families have your back. I know and I know I talk about this kind of stuff all the time, but that's because we need to be reminded of this often, but also because it came together so clearly in my brain this week. When we focus exclusively on performance results, the end of the story can go in a million different directions. But when we focus instead on the relationship we have with our students, that story pretty much always finds some kind of satisfying ending. Anytime I talk about prioritizing relationships with our students or their families, I always worry that people are going to mistake me for a teacher who has no standards or who just lets her students talk their lessons away. (laughs) And believe me, that is so not me. But it's kind of like that old saying that we've heard a million times, that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care, right? (laughs) My secret sauce to keeping teenagers in lessons, despite those growing lists of scheduling demands, is the relationship that I build with them. Same with adult students. I know adult students have a terrible turnover rate in most studios, but I make sure that my students know every week the abilities that I see in them, not just their potential for the future, but appreciation for what they can do today in this very moment. And when you have someone in your ear every week validating the work you're doing and telling you that they see you for the musician you are, I mean, who is going to want to give that up? (laughs) Would you walk away from that kind of setting today? I don't think I would. (laughs) So if nothing else... I hope today serves as a reminder of something that you probably already knew. If you focus on the relationship, the results are going to come. Now, that's a statement that doesn't really work in reverse, of course. Focusing exclusively on the results may result in some kind of relationship, but it won't be anything as fulfilling as if you pour into the relationship you have with your students and their families first. Let's share a toast, shall we? Music teacher friends from all over the world, today 
we are reminding ourselves that ours is a relationship business. Granted, it is one where we expect to see results, but we have to remember those results are often different than we might initially expect. It should also be said that, like any relationship, we do risk getting hurt when we invest so fully in another human being. But here's hoping that those instances are few in number and educational in their own right. I hope you can enjoy the human beings who enter your studio this week just for the people they are. Familiarize yourself with their struggles as well as their strengths. As my friend Jana Williamson often says, become a student of your student. Teach them according to their own unique set of needs and let them know that you are in their corner regardless of what happens on the stage or in front of the audition panel. I am absolutely convinced the rewards you reap will far outweigh those of having a student who just places in the next competition. Although that's pretty fun too, let's admit it. (laughs) Cheers to you, my increasingly relationship-centered teaching friends. Here, here. That's episode 83, friends. I hope you feel more motivated than ever to stay focused on the relationships you are building in the studio. Many of you are wrapping up a performance-heavy portion of the year, so there is so much to learn from how your students represented your studio in public performance this year. (laughs) Pay attention to that. But don't let those lessons overshadow the more important part of how you are helping your musicians grow as people living in a very complicated world. Here in a couple of days, I'm going to be sending out an email to those on my mailing list with some super helpful tidbits. So if you have not already joined the mailing list, be sure to do so in the name of not missing out. (laughs) That link is in the show notes along with several others. Be sure to check those out. Thanks all. I am looking forward to chatting again next week, but in the meantime, onward and upward.